Welcome to the One God Report podcast. The title of this podcast is No, John chapter 1 verse 3 does not say that Jesus created the universe. This will be a commentary on John chapter 1 verses 2 and 3. Just a brief summary of John chapter 1 verse 1. In previous One God Report podcasts, we have seen that in the beginning is not a direct reference to the Genesis creation but rather refers to the new beginning in the life and ministry of Jesus. The human Jesus is called the Word because it is through him that God has now spoken. The Word was with God means that while on earth, the human Jesus had a unique and special relationship with God. And the last phrase, and the Word was God, means that God was at work and speaking directly through this man, Jesus. Now we move on to verse 2, which already begins a contrast between Jesus, called the Word, and John the Baptist. This topic we could call Jesus Christ, the Word, and John the Baptist. Here's John chapter 1, verse 2. This one was in the beginning with God. Now, many translations simply start John 1, 2 out by saying he was in the beginning with God. But the word is actually the demonstrative pronoun, this, this one. And there is a direct contrast between the beginning of this verse and verse 7, where John the baptizer is introduced. Using the same word we have in John chapter 1, verse 2, this one was in the beginning with God. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Then John chapter 1, verse 7, This one came for a testimony, to bear witness about the light, but he was not the light. So the same word begins verse 2 and verse 7, this one. It is a little harder to see this direct contrast in English translations. Most English translations just start verse 2 and verse 7 with the pronoun he. But note the King James Version translates it, the same, or Young's literal translation has it, this one. In the Greek, the contrast stands out. This one in verse 2 compared to this one in verse 7. The baptizer in verse 7 is being contrasted with another person already introduced here in verse 2, who is the word, the man, Jesus. A main emphasis in the prologue of the Gospel of John and in the early chapters of John's Gospel is the relationship between Jesus and John the baptizer. Why would the relationship between the two men be such an important issue? Because John the baptizer was a very significant individual at the time. Many Jews in first century Israel believed John to be a prophet sent by God. John 1.6 there was a man sent from God. His name was John. And Matthew 21, 6 says that all held John to be a prophet. We know from the Gospels and also from the first century Jewish historian Josephus Flavius that John the baptizer had thousands, probably tens of thousands of followers. Some people thought John the baptizer might even be the Messiah. John's Gospel specifically introduces the ministry of John the Baptizer, already with three verses 
beginning in the sixth verse of the prologue. It's chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. And then again in verse 15. And then also in chapter 1, verse 19 to 35, and chapter 3, 25 to 30. The appearance of John the baptizer early in the prologue, again, the sixth, seventh, and eighth verses of John's gospel, is evidence that the beginning of John 1, 1, and all these verses at the beginning of John's gospel refer not to the Genesis creation, but to the same beginning that the other Gospels are describing, like the Gospel of Mark, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, John the Baptizer is so quickly and prominently introduced at the beginning of John's Gospel because the Baptizer has a key role in that beginning. Now, it goes without saying that John the Baptizer was not involved in the Genesis creation, but in the beginning of the ministry of Jesus the Christ. Since the prologue introduces the ministry of Jesus the Messiah, because the witness of John the Baptizer played an important role introducing Jesus the Messiah, the Baptizer is quickly and prominently introduced in the prologue of John's Gospel. John the Baptizer really has no business being in verses 6-8 through eight of the prologue if John 1.1 1, 1 is about the Genesis creation. On the other hand, it is fitting that John the Baptizer is in John 1, 6-8, and verse 15, if John 1.1 1, 1 is referring to the new beginning in the life and ministry of the human being, Jesus the Messiah, who is called the Word. To put it another way, in the prologue, John the Baptizer is not being distinguished from and not testifying about an eternal pre-incarnate divine logos like second century Gentile logos theorists and modern deity of Christ proponents would have us believe. And neither is John the Baptizer being distinguished from and testifying about an abstract yet personified logos that was active in the Genesis creation, as many biblical Unitarians espouse today. Rather, John the Baptizer is given a prominent place in the prologue because the author is making a distinction between the two men who were ministering and making disciples at the same time. Among other reasons, the author draws the contrast in order to establish which of the two men God intended to have priority. Note also that John the Baptizer is already described as testifying about who Jesus is before the statement in John 1.14 that the word was flesh. And I intentionally translate John 1.14 as the word was flesh, not the word became flesh. To say that the word became flesh is actually even a contradiction in deity of Christ Christology. So now let's come back and compare again the beginning of verse 2 with verse 7 in John's prologue. Already in verse 2, the author begins to show that Jesus has priority over John the baptizer. Using the same word, this, this one, the Greek word autos, this one, 
the author says of the word in verse 2, this one was in the beginning with God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Then of John the baptizer, in verse 7, the author says, this one came for testimony to bear witness about the light, but he was not the light. The clarification of the relationship between John the baptizer and Jesus is a constant theme throughout the first part of the Gospel of John. The contrast the author makes in his prologue is between two human persons, John the baptizer and the word Jesus Christ. The contrast is not between the baptizer and a pre-incarnate logos. The contrast is between two human persons, one called the Word, who is the person Jesus the Messiah, here in verse 2, and another person in verse 7, a man sent from God, John the Baptizer. Look how the contrast between Jesus and John the Baptizer, which starts in verses 2 and 7, continues in the Gospel of John with the words of John the Baptizer himself. In testifying about Jesus, we hear consistently from the mouth of the baptizer the very same word, the very same pronoun, this one. In the prologue, John chapter 1, verse 15, quote, John bore witness of him, and he cried out, saying, This one was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I. Unquote. And that same testimony is repeated again by the baptizer in chapter 1, verse 30. This one is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I. Unquote. It's clear the baptizer was not testifying about a pre-incarnate logos, but about a man who had a higher rank than he. John 1.33, again, in contrast to himself, the baptizer says, quote, This one baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And John 1.34, the baptizer says, I have seen and have borne witness that this one is the Son of God. It's the same word at the beginning of verse 2 and at the beginning of verse 7. So in verse 2, the author of John's Gospel is already distinguishing between this one, who is Jesus, the Word of God, and this one, who is the baptizer, in verse 7. Then four more times in the first chapter of the gospel, the baptizer himself distinguishes between himself and this one, referring to Jesus. The gospel of John repeatedly emphasizes the baptizer's own testimony in connection to his identity in comparison with Jesus the Messiah. The baptizer testified in chapter 1, verse 20, I am not the Messiah. And the last words of testimony we heard from the baptizer in this gospel are from chapter 3, verse 30, referring to Jesus, that one must increase, but I must decrease. Now the second part of verse 2 says, was in the beginning with God. So this one was in the beginning with God. This repeats and emphasizes what has already been stated in verse 1. But as we have seen here in verse 2, the statement, this one was in the beginning with God, highlights the contrast between the word, Jesus, and the baptizer, will soon be mentioned in verse 6. This one, the word, Jesus, 
has precedence over John because in the beginning, at the start of God's new beginning, Jesus was with God. That is, he had a close and unique relationship with God on this earth. Note again that God in verse 2, as in verse 1, is the Father, not the Trinity, and not abstract deity. Now let's go to verse 3 of John chapter 1. It reads, All things came to be through him, and without him nothing came to be. Most Deity of Christ readers see this verse as declaring that somehow Jesus was involved in the creation of the physical universe. I suggest that interpreting this verse to be about the Genesis creation misses what the Gospel of John is all about. A big reason why traditional Christianity thinks this verse is declaring that Jesus was somehow involved in the Genesis creation is because of the way the verse is translated. There are several vocabulary and translation issues with this verse. This verse can be translated into English like this. All that happened was through him, and without him, nothing happened. That is, this verse is talking about events described in the Gospel of John. And I'll suggest later, the most important of those events being the resurrection life and people coming to be through Jesus. The verse is not describing the creation of the material universe. There are several reasons why it's much better to understand this verse as relating to the events associated with the life of Jesus, rather than seeing some second God figure present at and involved in the Genesis creation. By the way, a second God figure involved in creation is an idea which totally contradicts sacred Old Testament scripture. Now first, let's take a look at the word which is translated all things. In the original Greek, the word things does not appear. It's just the word all. It's a plural adjective in the neuter. But the adjective is functioning as a noun, meaning all something. The reader has to decide what the something of that all is. All what? All the universe? All things? All people? All events? All powers? There are many options. We use the word all in English sometimes in a similar fashion. I might say, now I've seen it all. That doesn't mean I've seen every tree, animal, and galaxy. Or in English, we sort of use the word everything, similarly to how all is used here in Greek. To say, he lost everything, doesn't mean a person used to have every galaxy in the universe and now has lost it. We need to interpret the word all, or everything, in context. The same word all is used three more times in the prologue of John's Gospel, and in each case it refers to all people. Notice chapter 1, verse 7, when speaking about John the baptizer. This one came for testimony, to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. Or chapter 1, verse 9, the true light that gives light to all human beings. In this case, the noun, men or human beings, is in the text. Or 1.16. From his fullness have we all received. The main use of the word all 
in the Gospel of John is all kinds of people. Sometimes those who believe, sometimes those who don't believe, sometimes those who hear, sometimes all those who see. Sometimes all, in the Gospel of John, means all authority or power or all truths. But here's the point. Of the 65 or so occurrences of the word all in the Gospel of John, sometimes with a noun supplied, I don't see one other occurrence where it means all the physical created universe. Let me say that again. Of the 65 or so occurrences of this word all in the Gospel of John, I don't see one other occurrence where it means all the physical created universe. Let's look at a few examples. The famous John 3.16 is a good example of the use of all, meaning people, that all who believe in him should not perish. Or John 3.26, all are coming to him. John 6.37, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And note this verse as an example where all means the events associated with the life of Jesus. John 19.28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. So, rather than taking all or all things of John 1.3 to be a reference to everything in the created universe, a way in which the word is never used anywhere else in the Gospel of John, or for that matter, rarely, if ever, in all of the New Testament, the word all is better understood in John 1.3 as all the events that the Gospel of John is about to describe. Later, I'll suggest that the chief event that is included in the all things that happened in John's Gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, life came through Jesus, first to himself and then as a guarantee for others. All people, that is, all resurrection human life is through Jesus Christ. Interpreting the all as the events that the Gospel of John is about to describe also aligns with the contrast that the prologue makes between Jesus and John the Baptizer. It is through Jesus, the Word, not through John the Baptizer, that all the events that the Gospel of John is about to describe, including resurrection life, the new beginning, all came to be. Another word that needs to be examined in John 1.3 is the Greek word came to be. It's the word agenito from the Greek word ginomai. This word is often translated in John 1.3 as was made in the sense of was created. For instance, the English Standard Version and the Revised Standard Version have, quote, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made. Or the New American Standard has all things came into being by him. And apart from him, nothing came into being. Or the NET Bible even has all things were created by him. And apart from him was not one thing created. Now these are all very theologically biased translations that have caused many readers to think that the Genesis creation is what is under discussion. But the Greek word in question, this agenito from Ginomai, 
has a wide range of meanings, most of which have little or absolutely nothing to do with create. In fact, the Greek word in its various forms occurs almost 700 times in the New Testament, but nowhere else does it mean to create out of nothing. The word occurs 50 times in the Gospel of John, and it does not mean to create out of nothing. It means simply was, or happened, came to pass, occurred, was done, came on the scene. In English, this word is more or less the equivalent to what we call to be, the to be verb. The forms of be, am, are, is, was, were, that's what this word really is. This to be, Greek word, does not connote anything about ontological change, right, from one substance to another, either out of nothing, ex nihilo, or of a material transformation from one substance to another. The word refers to something that happened or became historical fact, something that simply was. The same word that Trinitarian translators have translated as was made, as if to mean was created in John 1.3 and in John 1.10 in the world was made through him. Also in John 1.14, they translate it differently. They translate the word became flesh. This same word also occurs, for instance, in John 1.6. And what does John 1.6 say? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Translations don't say, there was made a man sent from God. No, egeneto, this Greek word, simply means that John the baptizer came on the scene. There was a man sent from God. The word is simply translated was. The word also occurs in John 1.17. I'll read that. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The word came there is the same word. No one translates this verse as grace and truth were made through Jesus Christ. Or John 1.28, the same verb occurs. This happened in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. No one translates this as this was made in Bethany beyond the Jordan. No, this happened or simply this was in Bethany beyond the Jordan. Again, the word does not mean to create or make ex nihilo, out of nothing. In the same way that John 1.6 says that there was a man sent from God, and that John 1.17 tells us that grace and truth came or simply were through Jesus Christ, so John 1.3 tells us that all things that the gospel is about to describe came about or happened or simply were through him. So, we can see a lot depends on how one chooses to translate these words. A curious person who believes in the deity of Christ should ask why the same word is translated so differently in the same chapter. Is there a translation bias that injects a theological presupposition into the text in places like John 1.3, translating this as all things were created or all things were made? It's a rhetorical question. Yes is the answer.
But gone are the days when a person has to take a priest's or a pastor's word for it. Maybe even 50 years ago, a priest or a pastor could show his parishioners a translation of John 1.3 and declare, See, Jesus made everything. John 1.3 says Jesus created the universe. But those days are passing away. Bible computer programs are available to everyone now. We need to be like the Bereans and examine the scriptures to see if these things are so. It is important to keep in mind that in the original Greek texts of the New Testament, the words for create or make are not in John's prologue. Let me say that again. The Genesis words for create and make are not in John 1. However, the word that we're talking about, this to be verb, genito, genemai, which in past tense means simply was or happened, is in the Greek translation of the Genesis creation account. But again, this is not the word in Genesis for create or make, but it's simply the word and it was. I believe the author of the Gospel of John used this word as he used other vocabulary in his Gospel that parallels Genesis language, like in the beginning, light, darkness. Not because John is describing the Genesis creation, but because the same God who created in Genesis 1 is beginning the new creation in and through the one called the Word in John 1.1. That's Jesus the Messiah. In and through Jesus the Messiah, we have life, the down payment, the guarantee of the promised regeneration life of the age to come. All comes through the resurrected from the dead Jesus, the firstborn of God's new creation. But again, the absence of the active creation words in John's prologue is evidence that the Gospel of John is not commenting directly on the Genesis creation. The author did not refer to the creation of the sea and dry land, the sun and moon, rocks, plants, birds, or animals. The author of the Gospel of John mentions nothing of such things because that is not his topic. His topic is the new beginning in the life and ministry of Jesus the Messiah. So instead of theologically biased English translations like all things were made through him or all things were created through him, which make a reader think the Genesis creation is being discussed, read John 1.3 as all things happen through him, or simply, all things were through him. This would mean that all things that John is about to describe in his gospel occurred through the word Jesus the Messiah. Let's be honest. Does it not make sense that John's introduction, John 1, 1 1-18, that John's prologue would be introducing the rest of his gospel and not the Genesis creation. One other comment before we move on to the rest of verse 3. The deity of Christ interpretation of John 1.3 fails for another reason. Deity of Christ interpreters read verses like John 1.3 and Colossians 1.16 and Hebrews 1.2 and think they see Jesus as the active creator. But in each case, they are ignoring a very important word. They ignore the word through. 
through, as in the new creation that Colossians 1.16 and Hebrews 1.2 describe, as being through Jesus Christ, so here in John 1.3, all things came about or happened through the word Jesus Christ. Not only is Jesus Christ not creating in John 1.3, but Jesus Christ is not the main source for things that happened in his ministry, compare John 5.30. Yes, things came about through Jesus, and God granted to Jesus the authority to give life to others, John 5.26. But the main source for what happened is outside of Jesus Christ. The main source for what happened is God, who is also called the Father in this gospel. The Father, God, brought about these things that happened through his word, Jesus Christ. When the New Testament describes God bringing about anything through Jesus Christ, it is the resurrection life of new creation that is involved. The Bible draws the parallel between Adam and Jesus. Jesus is the second Adam, not the second God. As through the first Adam came life, also through the second Adam, Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, comes life in the age to come. Why do typical deity of Christ interpreters ignore or fail to see the new creation that God is bringing about described in passages like John 1, Colossians 1, and Hebrews 1? They've been distracted and blinded by pagan and Greek philosophy that claimed some kind of secondary, lesser God, the Logos, was involved in the creation of the material world. But this kind of thinking is nowhere in the Bible, and in fact, directly contradicts the Bible. The Bible declares that the one God created all, and that the one God, the Father, brings about the new creation through the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Compare 1 Corinthians 8.6, Romans 5.12-17, Colossians 1.15-18, and Hebrews 1.1-3. An unbelieved truth can hurt a person just as much as a lie. To not see Jesus Christ as the beginning and origin of God's new creation prevents a person from understanding the hope to which a true Christian has been called resurrection life in the age to come. Now there's another grammatical or punctuation or translation question at the end of John 1.3. The phrase, that which came to be, is sort of dangling at the end of verse 3 in the Greek text. And it is difficult to know if it should go with what precedes it or with what comes after it. There is no punctuation in the oldest Greek texts and the verse divisions were added much later in history. Now, most English translations join this to-be verb. It's the same word, same verb, to be, at the end of verse 3 with what comes before it. And they'll translate, and without him nothing came to be that came to be. Or sometimes, of course, they use the bias even was made or was created. This seems to be somewhat redundant, to say all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Rather, it seems better to take 
the came-to-be verb with what follows in the beginning of verse 4, then it would mean that which came to be in him was life. Some Greek manuscripts are punctuated this way, and Greek grammarians acknowledge this possibility. What does it mean to understand that which came to be in him was life? Wow. This means that we have here a clarification or an emphasis of what the author meant in the first part of verse 3 when he said, All things were through him, and without him was nothing. That which came to be in him was life. That is, the most significant thing of the all that came through him was human life. And it is eternal life, life in the age to come, that the Gospel of John is concerned about. See John 3.16 and 17.5, for instance. All things in Jesus' ministry, with the emphasis on life in the age to come, came to be through Jesus. There might be another parallel here between the Gospel of John in Genesis, when he says, and that which came to be in him was life. The Gospel of John, including the prologue, contains many parallels, or to use the theological term, typology, from the Old Testament, especially from the book of Genesis, parallels to the Genesis creation in the Abraham and Isaac account, and to the book of Exodus, uh, comparison with Moses and the tabernacle. The word life, and that which came to be in him was life. The word life in Greek is zoe, which is also the name for Eve in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Eve was the mother of all living. And that's the name given to her by Adam. Life, Eve, coming from Adam, may be another Genesis parallel or antitype. That is, the Jesus of John's gospel is parallel or an antitype to Adam. I think the word was flesh in 114 is John's way of saying that Jesus is a human being, a second Adam. Just like all human life, Zoe, Eve, in the present age has come through Adam, even so, all human life in the next age comes through Jesus Christ. Eve, life, came to be through Adam and through Jesus. Compared 1 John 4, 9. God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. So to review verses 2 and 3. First, already in John chapter 1, verse 2, this one was in the beginning with God, begins the contrast between Jesus, the Word, and John the Baptist. The author of the Gospel of John early and often contrasts or compares John the Baptizer with Jesus and the titles used for Jesus, like Word or Light. This is evidence that John the Baptizer is being contrasted with the human person Jesus, not a pre-incarnate God figure or abstract logos. This one, Jesus, the Word, was the light. But this one, John the Baptizer, was not the light. This one, said the Baptizer, is whom I spoke about. He is greater than I. This one baptizes with the Holy Spirit. 
This one is the Son of God. Secondly, John 1.3 is not saying that Jesus was involved in the creation of all the material universe. All things never means the entire universe in the Gospel of John. Neither are the words create or make in this verse or anywhere else in John's prologue. Rather, John 1.3 is introducing all things that came about, everything that happened through the life and ministry of Jesus. And the main everything is the resurrection life of the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, and the promise of life in the next age that his resurrection holds for all. This is Bill Schlegel for the One God Report podcast. A shout out to Rivers of Eden, who participated in the previous podcasts on John 1.1 for his observations into the Greek text of John 1, some of which have been incorporated into the current podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate it and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That will help others to find us and share the podcast on social media. For constructive discussion, you are welcome to join the One God Report Facebook group. Yishma'u anavim ve'yismachu. The humble will hear and rejoice.